0: This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. The first major biography of a poet of the people in 50 years is Cross of Snow, A Life of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow by Nicholas Basmanes. In this major new look at Longfellow's life, times, and vast body of work, an oeuvre that includes poetry, prose, and literary translations into English from a dozen languages, Nicholas Basbaines plays close attention to their 18-year marriage during the tumultuous years leading up to the Civil War. It's based on 10 years of research and the marriage to Fanny, of course. Nicholas Bazbaines is the author of 10 critically acclaimed works of cultural history with a particular emphasis on various aspects of books and book culture, A Gentle Madness, Bibliophiles, Bibliomains, and the eternal passion for books. His first book was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award for nonfiction back in 1995 and was a New York Times notable book. On paper, the everything of its 2,000-year history. Back in 2013, was one of three finalists for the Andrew Carnegie Medal for Excellence in Nonfiction and was named a Best Book of the Year by seven major publications. He also writes the "Gently Mad" column for Fine Books and Collections magazine. Lectures widely on book-related subjects, and is a frequent contributor to Humanities Magazine and other publications. Makes his home in North Grafton, Massachusetts. Happy to have Nicholas Bazbaines join me here on Speaking of Writers. Nick, welcome to this program.
1: Thank you, Steve. Great pleasure to be here.
0: So, Nick, what led you to Longfellow?
1: It's uh, it's a long story, but I'll try to make it make it brief. Uh, you very nicely, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, outlined my previous books, nine previous books, dealing with very various, various aspects of books and book culture, trying along the way to write about bibliomania, bibliophilia, you know, the difference, the people who are mad about books, people who love books, and what's the difference, and do people do crazy things for books, and then Patience and Fortitude, my second book was a look at libraries, uh, book culture, uh very various aspects of trying to preserve books and it, and it goes on every book its reading, reader was a kind of uh, a dream team approach to great readers through history and how books have helped shape the world and then the, the logical extension of that was a was a, uh an evaluation of paper and the, the the everything of uh, of its two thousand year history, of course we i couldn 't do everything but not only as a medium of cultural transmission but how paper is ubiquitous in our everyday lives for everyone. so what comes next? Uh, it happened that in twenty o seven I guess it was twenty o six the uh coming up on the uh, bicentennial of longfellow's birth, uh, I happened to go and uh, Take a look at Longfellow House, Washington's headquarters, National Historic Park in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and, and did a piece on Longfellow's Bicentennial for Smithsonian Magazine. And I was just totally captivated by what is in there. It is really, really unique, and I'm I a writer, and I, I use that word knowing that it is one of a kind. But as a, as a house, uh, as a home that that served as a the, the residence of a writer, you know, there are quite a few of those, but uh, as a house also that is... Totally original in every respect. And I mean the furnishings, I mean the paintings, I mean the domestic objects. And then beyond that, you have, by their estimation, three quarters of a million to 800,000 archival materials that document the life and the time, not only of this poet, but other people who live there. And that it's managed by the National Park Service as a research center i I just could not believe the the wealth of material that was there, and really not uh not so far from my home either you know about forty minutes or so where I could uh spend a lot of time didn't have to travel as I've done in my other books, travel all over the world really to to get various stories. I'm an old schooler, I believe in getting my material first hand, seeing things uh up close and personal and uh and here was an opportunity to <clears throat> really immerse myself in these in these materials and And then, the process uh perhaps bring attention to a person who fell out of favor who who disappeared from the landscape for a variety of reasons, which we don't have to necessarily get into, but I think we all know that <clears throat> Longfellow at one Point was by far the most celebrated poet not only in in the United States and North America but really throughout the world his His poems were translated into twenty five or so languages. he was more popular in England. Uh, at the t- uh, during his lifetime and Lord Tennyson and Robert Browning he sold more books uh, you know on their own turf he's the only american to poet or writer to have a bust of his like this erected in Westminster Abbey so uh, enormously popular influential celebrated loved and he'd fallen out of favor so I had an opportunity to do a couple of things look at someone who, who hadn't been looked at in a good while a lot of fresh material that was available and to kind of uh, the the uh, frosting on the cake is the, is the fact that he was a true bibliophile. There are 12,000 books of his books, his library in the house. So as a person who's really studied book culture and how books affect people's lives, he was the added opportunity to, to not only do the other things that I mentioned, but take a look at the, the, the impact and the influence of writing in books. On his life and his impact on others, so uh, I hope that's in the nutshell. But uh, that's kind of what led to led to this work.
0: Nicholas Bazbaines is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. His book is Cross of Snow: A Life of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And as you went through all of that research, Nick, what surprised you the most about Longfellow?
1: Um, what surprised me the most? Do you have, if you have a copy of the book, there, I hope you do, Steve. Uh, look at that cover, that magnificent photograph by Julia Margaret Cameron, and it's and it's almost iconic. And it was taken in 1868, when he was absolutely at the top of his game. I mean, it was basically taken uh, on a victory tour of Europe. He had traveled to Europe with his family, with party of twelve. He was received by Queen Victoria. He received honorary degrees from Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, he was uh, the subject of any number of dinners, and that is the that is the Longfellow that everybody knew and everybody loved this this poet with the white beard, the uh, the, the fireside poet. Well, the big surprise for me was to was to really research and find the Longfellow that we came before that very influential uh, poet, handsome, beardless. Both of his wives, his first wife Mary, died quite tragically when she was 23 years old during a trip to Europe and we write about that and he was devastated grief-stricken and he thought he'd never have happiness again and then all of a sudden he's struck by lightning and he meets this magnificent young woman in in Switzerland uh, and he goes crazy over her and there's a seven-year courtship and to uh to to find this very passionate longfellow actually this 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 longfellow who's a very human uh, decent person that I was able to to study and to learn uh, so much about and the fact that that I have to tell you the the 19th century I can't I just can't tell you how much I enjoyed uh, immersing myself in a time when people wrote beautiful letters they kept wonderful journals they really documented their lives and as a writer who really likes to use a lot of dialogue who likes to allow my subjects to uh, speak for themselves you, I want to hear their voices I want my readers to to, to hear their voices i was able to do that because they had such a wealth of material they truly documented their lives in in a way that it wasn't a matter of uh, trying to find things to include it's what what you dis, what you have to decide not to include there's just a, a wealth of material but i guess it was the discovery of this 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 individual who became the great uh, iconic fireside poet not that i ignore the later uh, the the individual that everyone knew and loved but i think that uh, as you as you mentioned quite uh, eloquently in your opening thank you very much is that these 18 years of their marriage 1843 to 1861 coincide with the the build up the run up to the civil war and these were such consequential times and they were a part of it they were in the middle of it and they talk about it and they talk about it with other people and not only did i have the materials they wrote but in addition to my work at the longfellow house just a half a mile away at harvard university in the houghton library is all of his literary archive all of his manuscripts all of his personal journals over a forty or so year period so i was able to actually actually i photographed every digitally photographed every page of his journal thousands of thousands of images because the journal has never been published in its entirety before so all of my readings from his journal are original and I was I, I was able to have take the time, and I gave myself as much time as I needed to go and just immerse myself in this material and to try and see who this person was, how he became this iconic person, and uh, how he interacted with these people around him. And the great, great surprise, I guess surprise number two, and this really wasn't that much of a surprise because I went mindfully into the project hoping, planning to really give a full life of his wife Fanny Appleton Longfellow, when you talk about the title "Cross of Snow," that is a direct reference to her that 's a reference to a sonnet Henry Longfellow wrote in eighteen seventy nine on the eighteenth anniversary to the day of her death. they were married eighteen years, and she dies quite horrifically and I hate to give that away right now, but it's, you know as a matter of fact, people I guess know it maybe they 've forgotten that about her, but she she had a horrific accident. Uh, a domestic accident with matches and 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 you talk about the loss of his first wife how how grief-stricken uh, he was after that well this this is just beyond beyond comprehension but he had five children he had to take care of his children and so you uh, uh you look at the life afterwards and he lived another 22 years afterwards and he was still very very productive uh but I really wanted to profile his wife Fanny Appleton Longfellow and I and I, I think uh, something that hasn't really been done at all before, other than you know mentions, little profiles of her. But when Fanny dies in 1861, usually she falls off the margins, and we really don't have an opportunity to see who she was. And she was quite brilliant. I mean, she was easily as as, as bright and brilliant as he was. And 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 what I try to show in the book is that this was not only a very loving marriage, a very productive marriage. Uh, after 7 years of wooing finally once they they uh, uh, come together they're inseparable uh, uh, henry says at one point it is our theory of life to never be separated and pretty much they never were that's why you find very few letters between them for the hundreds of letters that they wrote i could only find 9 letters that fanny ever wrote to him and one of the reasons is one for many years they didn't speak prior to their marriage and then once they had their rapprochement and they're married, they're hardly ever apart. So there was never any reason, really, for letters. You know, you yes. compare that to the Brownings, Robert and Elizabeth Barrett. And and Elizabeth Barrett Browning dies 10 days before Fanny, so they're exact contemporaries. And in that instance, you have a marvelous suite of courtship letters. Well, we don't have that here, but we have other things. And uh, if I. I failed to mention the, the, the letters at the Houghton Library, also the incoming letters that Henry received from hundreds, if not thousands, of people. He saved everything, and they're all there. So I was really able not only to look at the letters he wrote and she wrote, but the letters that he received from people varying from, you know, Charles Dickens to Edgar Allan Poe and Charles Sumner, and you can go on and on and on. And you get you get two sides of a conversation, and you get textures that you, you really... Uh, uh, I have to say, it was surprising to to discover for their richness and for what they were able to tell me about not only these individuals but the life and what was going on around them.
0: Nicholas Basmanes is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Uh, His book is Cross of Snow, A Life of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. We're talking about his marriage to Fanny in 1843 marking in his words, quote, a vita nova of happiness. It, It ushered in a period that wound up yeah, he he created that great canon of poems, including Evangeline, Hiawatha, Paul Revere's Ride, and the courtship of Miles Standish, notably among them. Nick, what would you like readers to take away from this book?
1: I, I, I that's a that's a great question. You know, I, uh, do I want them? Do I do I urge them to go out and rediscover Longfellow, the poet? Well, that would be nice if they if that happened. I don't expect that. I I make no claim that he is the outstanding poet of the 19th century who has unjustly been consigned to oblivion. But he is an outstanding American poet. No, he's not Emily Dickinson, and he's not Walt Whitman, and he's maybe not even be Edgar Allan Poe, but he's Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And there is I quote a very great scholar, the late Daniel Aaron, who said, American literature is not that rich that we can afford to dismiss a writer so good as Longfellow, so if that happens, that's great, but he is an extraordinary it's an extraordinary story of an American easily the most celebrated american maybe, uh, maybe even the most celebrated person in the english speaking world i mean he and Dickens almost stood uh, uh together uh side by side in terms of of international popularity and It's so interesting that they became very good friends by the way and and I'm able to to, uh... give some insight into their meetings uh, at twenty five-year intervals in eighteen forty two and again in eighteen sixty seven sixty eight when henry goes to england uh... and actually there's a uh, there's another in, uh... meeting there as well but i want them to come away with uh, an understanding a rich of of just who this individual was the impact that he had and if he is not the same uh... widely celebrated and ubiquitously known writer today but to try and understand how it was that he was beloved across all segments of society, every demographic, rich and poor, like one, one of the extraordinary little details that emerges, for instance, when he visits Queen Victoria in England, in Windsor Castle. The Queen writes in her diary later that day, as, as Longfellow was leaving the palace, she looks around and she is amazed to see how all the domestic staff, they're trying to get viewing positions, they're kind of hiding behind curtains. And she asks them later, you know, this is very unusual, what are you doing? To a person, they all knew who this, and this is in England, they all knew who this poet was, they all knew his works, and they all wanted to get a look at him. And you talk about, and of course she loves his poetry. Tennyson, loves, so it's it's uh, it's not just people at, at one particular class. It's throughout uh, every every uh, social class who loved his poetry. And uh, and uh, there's something to be said about that. And I, if my readers can come away with an appreciation for that, and also an appreciation for a really thoroughly decent man, he was uh, really quite a very nice man. It's very hard to find anyone who ever had a. Uh, a bad personal thing to say about him. Uh, of course, you had a few people like Poe and Margaret Fuller who didn't much care for his poetry, and that's fine. That happens. But he was truly a very decent man, and his wife was a very bright and decent woman, and they had a very, uh, a very wonderful marriage. And it's a, it's a very uh, stimulating thing to read about. And uh, for me, and I, I hope that my readers will come away with the same impression.
0: Nicholas Basmanes, the book is Cross of Snow, A Life of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Nick, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks so much, Steve. I enjoyed it.
0: And this is Speaking of Writers, and that is Capital Region Sunday, a production of Town Square Media Albany for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition.